Hey, hey, welcome to Real Life. Uh, I'm Chad, and we're excited that you're here tonight. We're live from uh, Calvary Corvallis, and um, if you're watching, let us know. We'd love to um, just check in and, and, and let you know we're praying for you, and if there's any way we can serve you. Um, again, you can email jonathan at calvarycorvallis.org if you have needs, and there's ways that we can bless you, or just prayer requests even. Um, and yeah, like uh, Gemma prayed earlier, hope you can join the Zoom discussion afterwards. It's been really fun seeing um, your faces and, and what God's doing in your life. And the activities have been fun too. Last week, uh, uh, we gave out a Dutch Bros, or not Dutch Bros, Coffee Culture gift card. We got another one tonight for the winners. So come check out that. Um, hard to believe it's week five. I can't believe it's five weeks in, halfway through the term. Um, so it's it's kind of crazy how fast uh, time's going uh, this term in, in spite of everything. And uh, we hope you're doing well. And you can turn to First Peter. Uh, we're going to be going through um, about 14 verses tonight. So turn to First Peter. That's where we've been this turn. We've been in First Peter, and, and the theme is being hopeful. Uh, and just, just a, a good reminder that regardless of what circumstance you find yourself in, Right now at home or uh, here still um, in town, whatever circumstances you're in, um, as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, um, you can be hopeful. And uh, that's, that's such a great letter. I've been enjoying this book of the Bible, uh, studying it with you guys. And, um, and, and one of the reasons we can be hopeful is, is uh, we have a living hope. Jesus is alive and, and uh and we have a living hope, an advocate in heaven. And, and so the first few weeks, just a quick review. Um, we just talked about walking in hope. Uh, and we talked about walking in holiness. And then uh, we talked about walking in harmony. And uh, those have kind of been the three uh, areas we've, we've um, covered the first four weeks. And then tonight we're going to look at um, just this next section uh, chapter 2, uh, 11 through three, twelve, really emphasizes submission uh, in the life of a believer and, um, you know, and, and how that, uh, and how as we respond and, and we submit uh, to different uh, things in this world, how it's a witness to the world. And uh, the idea of submission's, uh, you know, not a lot of fun for most of us, uh, it, especially in our culture. Um, but it's interesting in this section, uh, two eleven through three twelve, it shows how believers are to submit to citizens as citizens. We'll talk about that tonight as workers, um, as um, marriage partners, and as members of his church body. And so, the next few weeks, we're going to look at this idea of submission in different contexts. But tonight, we're just going to go to verse twenty-five, the rest of chapter two. So let's um, dive into the word. Verse third or verse eleven, chapter two. Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to obtain from fleshly lust, which wage war against the soul. Keep your behavior excellent or above reproach among the Gentiles, or in this word, the Gentile actually means unbelieving, uh, unbelieving neighbor, so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers or accuse you of doing wrong, they may because of your good deeds as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. Um, and so Peter, again, starts the section as, as reminding his readers that they're strangers or sojourners or aliens. Verse 1 of chapter 1 uh, really says that right off the get-go of, the, of this book, is that we're not created for this world. Followers of Jesus, we have an eternal hope. 
and our destination's heaven, and we're to be living for heaven now. And they're to be an example. He's talking about in this section. That's what we're seeing here. They're to be witnesses uh, to those around them. And a few weeks back, we talked about what it means to, to live a holy life, what it means to live uh, set apart. Uh, holy simply means different, uh, not odd, but just different, different than the world. And, and Peter says here in verse 11, they're to abstain from fleshly lusts. And fleshly lusts simply means given over to passionate desires. Uh, and so this would have been pretty hard in the first century um, in this Roman society, um, one, these were new believers that Peter's writing to, and two, in this Roman society, they celebrated living to satisfy um, the fleshly um, lusts of the flesh. Um, they actually flaunted excessive um, um, carnal and erotic uh, living, and it's not anything different than today even. In, in some ways, a lot of ways, uh, in our culture, um, it's flaunted, and, and, you know, sin is not sin, uh, and, and, but God's word is truth and God's word says it as it is. And, and, um, so it would have been very hard for these individuals that Peter's writing to, uh, to abstain, uh, or, or to refrain, refrain. And, and they're, you know, just like today, there was, there was a constant lure of sin. There's this, this constant, especially, you know, since, um, you know, the smartphones and, and just all the access we have to things at all times at our fingertips, there's just constant lure uh, to sin. And, and Peter's basically, right here, he's warning them to abstain. You know, in reality, if we allow the flesh, you know, just to exercise a small amount, uh, it'll want more. And in, in this text, it says it will wage war on our soul, or, or another way to say that, it will wage war for complete control. Uh, the flesh is never satisfied. It's never satisfied until it has complete control. You know, you give an inch, it'll want a mile. You know, Jesus said a little leaven leavens the whole lump. My wife's been making a homemade dough lately and just, just need a little hint of yeast and it just it explodes out of the bowl. And it's just that same picture that Jesus says is that, man, you, uh, you know, we think we can control you know, a little bit of lust or a little bit of this or a little bit of that and we give in to temptation. But no, the, the Bible's clear and our, you know, my track record in the past is clear that I can't handle a little bit. And so let's, let's not give in to that temptation. Let's not go uh, just an inch even. You know, there's an old saying, and I, I don't know who even penned it, but I've heard it many times in different sermons, but sin will take you farther than you want to go. It'll keep you longer than you want to stay and cost you more than you want to pay. And that's just the reality of what sin does uh, to one's life. Um, you know, um, to abstain is important for our personal walk, and that's what we're kind of looking at here. It's important for the personal walk, but really what Peter's getting at, I think, here is that it's important for our witness to the world. You know, it talks about Gentiles there as, you know, the unsaved neighbor. You know, it's important that we don't just talk the talk of being a Christian, but we walk it, that we live differently. That Again, we're aliens, we're sojourners uh, in this world, and we're created to know God and to be a light. Jesus says that in, in Matthew 5 in the Sermon on the Mount, that we're to be a light, uh, a city on a hill. We're to, we're to be set apart. But we live in this world, and we're in a battle. There is a real spiritual battle that we fight every day. It's not easy to, to be in the world and, and live by a different set of rules or different standards. You know, we're, we're at war with the passions of our flesh. And Paul says it this way, and it, I love this take. I've used this verse probably in the past, but, but it's just so pertinent to what Peter's talking about. Paul says this in, in his letter to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, 
but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments, every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, and take every thought captive to obey Christ. And so what we want to understand here is to win this battle, we have to daily partake of his grace and his divine power and his spirit. Like, we have to take our thoughts captive daily, and, and sometimes it's moment by moment, you know. And it's not easy to take our thoughts captive. I was, I was looking somewhere today, and it says that we have about 49 thoughts per minute. Uh, USC Medical Center, uh, Medical Research had that online. And, and 70,000, that means 70,000 thoughts a day. And, and I was thinking, I was kind of chuckling to myself, it's no wonder, you know, my wife sometimes when she's talking to me, it's like hard for me to focus. It's like I got a little bit of an excuse there, but I, I imagine it's different for guys and girls. I don't know. But 49 thoughts per minute, that's a lot. It is hard to focus. And, and, but Paul says we can take our thoughts captive. Uh, and I believe Paul was on to something when he, he wrote this in Philippians 4. Philippians 4, verses 8 through 9 says, Fix your thoughts on what is true and what is honorable and what is right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you've learned and received from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. And I love this passage. It's to dwell on the truth. Think about things that are true. It's funny how sometimes you get a text message from someone and you immediately, uh, if you don't open it, like my, my phone doesn't even allow me to see it until I open it now. I don't know. It's, maybe I'm just kind of behind, but my new iPhone, it's, it just says message and then you have to click on it. But sometimes certain people, you get that message and you're like, uh, I don't know if I want to open it. You instantly, your mind goes somewhere it shouldn't. Uh, and I love that, but we're to, that we're to be taking our thoughts captive, but not only that, we're to be thinking of what's true. And, and I just know from my journey recently, I've been reading, I've been really enjoying this book, My, my Name is Hope, by John Mark Comer. And it's just really, really good on uh, just like taking your thoughts captive and, and just even just like walking uh, uh, this out that we're talking about here. And then also this book, A Better Way to Think, uh, by Norman Wright. And so these have just been good resources for me because I know I, I have this temptation to just like allow my mind to go to the worst case scenario and I have triggers or different things that occasionally will just set me back. And, um, you know, so th- what's cool about this whole thing is if, if you're struggling with an area of your life, just like the theme, be hopeful. We can be hopeful. You can experience victory in your life uh, and it's not complicated. Paul makes it really clear how you can, you can, you, you know, experience this victory is to fill your mind with God's word. It says whatever is true. What is true? God's word is truth. Absolute truth. That's what we believe here. And, and if we focus and memorize it, it's not complicated. But I love the, uh, this week I was uh, reading Psalms 119. It's a big one. It's like four or five pages. It's like, 100 and, like 200 verses. It's like the biggest chapter in the Bible. But man, every other sections talks about God's word and, and the life giving it gives. And, and there's just so much, if we memorize it, when, when these temps and these thoughts come, we can just take our thoughts captive and we can capture the truth and just bring it to the feet of Jesus. And, you know, God wants to set us free. He doesn't want us to live this fleshly lust uh, life. He wants us to be set free so we can be witnesses. And one of my favorite passages in all of scripture is James 4, 6 through 7. It says it this way, but he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. 
Come near to God, and he will come near to you. And that's a promise we need to cling to, is that we can resist the devil. We can draw close to God. We can have victory. Maybe you've been so discouraged. Maybe you've been just kicking yourself over a, a, a sin or, or something that keeps coming up that you don't seem to have victory in. But I believe you can have that through the Spirit of God and through his word. So we're going to move on to the next section. But before we do that, we're going to have a testimony. We're going to um, hear from our, our friend Ryan, a fellow peer student, and he's just going to share a quick little testimony. And then we're going to go back to verse 13 of chapter 2. Hey, Real Life, it's Ryan. Um, I'm sharing a bit of my testimony today, and I don't really feel like I have much of a exciting story as far as testimonies go to share right now, but certainly there's been some important things I've learned, and maybe the most important is uh, asking God to make my life difficult. So I prayed that twice in my life, where, whatever, where it was a very significant moment for me. Once was in eighth grade, and later that year, well, I prayed, I said, Lord, if you need to make things difficult for me, then let it be done if it's your will. And my parents ended up getting divorced, and I went through some really difficult uh, emotional pain and relationships in, in middle school. Uh, and it was really, really hard for me at the time. Just being, I had had a great life up until middle school, really. Um, very comfortable and just amazing parents and amazing family and really lived with God. It was, it was amazing. I didn't realize how much I lived with God until, until I, you know, later down on down the road. Um, but that was a really hard time for me because I hadn't really been through pain or suffering up until that point. Um, and then... You know, I prayed that prayer and <laughs> went through a lot of pain and suffering. But it was important to understand kind of what what is it like to suffer? What does that mean? Um, and I don't feel like I got an amazing, you know, uh, message out of that. But it certainly was difficult. And then this last year, uh, last winter, I prayed again, Lord, or this time I prayed, perfect me in love. No matter what the cost, whatever it's going to take to let that happen, perfect me in love, because I, I don't want to be a half in, half out, you know, lukewarm Christian, that uh, I really never want to be that. I really want to be all in, and it's very difficult to be all in, but I think it's what we're called to. So I prayed that, and then I just started going through crazy trials of temptation, with pornography, and um, addiction, and... <laughs> just physical trials. I had a knee that was messed up that just seemed like it could never get healthy. Um, you know, and it was a lot of small things. It's not like I have some, maybe some great, uh, great example that would really shock and wow you, but it was just a lot of small things that really built up suicidal thoughts that just seemed like they came out of nowhere and would just get pressed upon me. It was really difficult, but what I've learned through all of this, even though I'm still in the process to some degree of dealing with things, is that it's God's will for you to be in an uncomfortable, difficult place. He wants you to get in the fire, right? That's where you find him. That's where your faith gets built up and perfected. We just read this in First Peter, is, you know, in this you rejoice for now a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it's tested by fire, may be found a result in praise and glory at, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's what we're after. So, uh, you know, 
seek that. Seek him. Thanks, Ryan, for sharing. That was that was awesome. Um, just man, such tough prayers to pray to just um, to just want to completely to be given over to the Lord. That's such an honoring prayer too, and just great encouragement for your peers and myself. Even just man, I I want to be completely given to the Lord and submitted to Him um, in our life in, in my life, and, and and that's our prayer for you guys too. And so, verse thirteen of chapter two. Uh, we're going to dive in uh, to the next section. Submit yourselves for the Lord, the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether to a king as the one in authority or to the governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. Verse 15, for such is the will of God that by doing right you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. Act as free men. Do not use your freedom as covering for evil, but use it as bond slaves of God. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. And so in this section, like I said, to, from here on out, we're going to talk about submission uh, this, the next couple weeks, actually, in different contexts. But right here, it says in verse 13, submit to every human institution. Uh, and, and for such is the will of God, in verse 15 it says, and uh, this, this section to me is just crazy. In our world, you know, it's common to slander, to slander or speak out against, uh, you know, human institutions, especially in our country, the government. Uh, but the Bible's clear on how we should treat um, the, these institutions. Uh, Romans 13 says it this way. Romans 13, 1 and ver- verses 1 and verses 7 say it this way. Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authority that exists have been established by God. Give everyone what you owe him. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. And it's funny because in our day and age, it's easy for us to justify how um, we treat authority. It's easy for us to say, oh man, that guy's a jerk or, or that guy's, you know, just greedy or, or that guy has his self, he's selfish, has his own self-interest. But, you know, Paul wrote this to people in the first century. They couldn't vote. They didn't have any uh, say in who their leaders were. And actually, the leaders that Peter's talking about here were, were persecuting the Christians. We're torturing them. We're killing them. I mean, the, this, is, this is crazy talk because this is like, you know, this is a completely different society. And, and yet today we, we find it so like we get offended so easily at our leaders, you know, and we're blessed with the freedom and safety that this first century audience would have dreamed of. They would have dreamed to have this, you know, and yet if someone gets elected that we disagree with, many of us treat them with disrespect. We'll jump on Twitter or Facebook and we'll just slander or we'll just, you know, say whatever we want to say. And uh, it's it's funny too, this, I mean, it's kind of different this year. It doesn't seem like it, um, being there's a pandemic kind of happening right now, but it, the fact that it's an, also an election year, and we're already seeing this side versus that side of, you know, this person blaming that person that they could have done a better job or that, you know, this person saying they did the best job. And it's just like, man, it's just like that's the way um, 
you know, just government seems to work is slander one another, put put others down, make yourself look good. And and but the reality is, you know, like I'm not huge in politics. I don't talk about it much. Um, but it's you know, we are blessed in this country to be able to vote and have a voice. And we are blessed those those freedoms. I've traveled in different countries and a lot of countries don't have uh what we have. You know, and, and I think the main point here is that Christians should complain less about leaders and pray more for them. I wouldn't want to be in their shoes. I wouldn't want to have to bear the weight um, that they have to bear uh, for 300 plus million people uh, in our country. Um, but you don't have to respect, uh, I've heard this before, you don't have to respect the person, but respect the office. And I don't know if that's completely true, but I do know that, like, man, the Bible says we're to respect the leaders. Um, and it's important to understand what, what submission is and what submission isn't. And I'm just going to run through really quickly. There should be these bullet points coming up on your screen. But it's not just talking about blind submission. Like, oh, yeah, you just need to submit. A lot of people don't like that word and our, that term. We're a very independent culture, and it sounds degrading. But submission is actually not degrading. It, it actually is, you know, freeing in, in a sense. Um, but first, submission to human authority does not mean uh, that we never involve in the decision-making. Again, we have liberty to vote here, and we can reach out and respectfully um, write letters or, or call our elected officials. My mom used to do that uh, when she didn't agree with something. It didn't matter, Democrat, Republican. Uh, she'd reach out, and she'd let them know, and that's, that's our voice. That's what our Constitution allows, and, and that they're elected officials. Uh, submission does not mean that we follow when it clearly involves sin. You know, this, the example of this was the early church in, in Acts 4, 5, and I think even 6, um, when the religious establishment commanded them to stop teaching, they said, no, we're not going to stop teaching. God instructed us to teach his word. Uh, there are times when following God requires rejecting sinful instruction by the human authority. Um, and so it does not, submission does not mean that we follow when it clearly involves sin. The third thing, submission does not mean that we have a strong tendency to defer judgment of authority unless it involves obvious sin. Again, like, we should trust our leaders. Um, we should we have a tendency to defer to their judgment. They've been elected. And, and again, this is just a, a really simple thing. And then the fourth thing, submission does not mean that those who submit are less important. And this is probably the most, to me, important of, of the, all four. It, you know, it doesn't mean they're less important or less intelligent or less godly than those whom are told to submit. It doesn't mean that you're less of a person if in a, in a season or in a sense that you need to, to submit uh, under an authority or under um, a person of leadership or to that spouse. It, I mean, it's, it doesn't mean you're less. Actually, it's, you know, again, opposite. Look what Jesus, he submitted to the Father. Look at Philippians 2 here. Jesus was submissive to the Father. Who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, Taking the very nature of a servant, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. And so Jesus was fully man and fully God, yet he willingly, willingly chose to, fo- you know, chose to follow the Father and, and the Father's plan. And so when we are submitted to God, we can willingly, willingly, when we're submitted to God, we can, that's what that James 4 passage said, submit to God, and we can willingly um, submit to others, and overcome the enemy. You know, God wants each of us to exercise authority. Like, he's created us to, to lead, to be his hands and feet. But you can't exercise authority unless you're under authority. And that authority is God. You have to be under God's authority. Verse 18, 
Servants, be submissive to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and gentle, but also to those who are unreasonable. For this finds favor. If for the sake of conscience towards God, a person bears up, bears up under sorrows when suffering unjustly. Verse 20, for what credit is there if when you sin are harshly treated? You deserved it. Or you endure it with patience. But if when you do what is right and suffer for it, you patiently endure it, this finds favor with God. Uh, verse 18, I find this would have been just crazy for the first century readers to read. It says, be submissive to your masters. I mean, probably, we, we studied, a couple weeks ago we said there's about 60 million slaves in the Roman Emperor at this time. And probably most of these people reading this letter uh, from Peter uh, are probably uh, of slave or at least, you know, of more poor descent. Um, and they, they're saying to submit uh, to your masters, you know, but they, I mean, to be honest, they have to submit their property. Like, it seems like this is an obvious thing, but, but it's actually different. There's a difference between having to and willing to. And, and I think that's what we saw in, in, in Jesus. We saw just earlier, you know, one is a choice, you, ha- you know, and, and one is not. Ha- I have to versus I willingly choose to. And I think verse, thir- verse 16, looking back at a verse, uh, it says, act as free men. And free men have choice. Free men and women, we have choice. And I think this is huge because uh, there's a difference between, it, it's really an attitude or, or a, a mind check that we can choose to submit. And we actually, it's, it's like we get great authority when we do that. Um, and this would have spoke, you know, you know, huge to the to the to their masters. You know, Jesus talks about this in the Sermon on the Mount. He says talks about this this idea of going the extra mile or killing with kindness, and, and that that's kind of what we see here. This would have, you know, to to just even if you're unjustly, you know, accused or beaten or, or told that you're, you know, and you can think of modern day like our if you have a bad boss or or, or you're you're told unjustly. Uh, that you did something, uh, or you're told to do something that's not right, um, and, and you know. But even if their master continued to treat them poorly, it says here, patiently endure finds favor with God. And so, how we respond, whether fair or unfair, will point people to God or away from God. And in this sense, like you're talking about, make winning over the master, winning over those that they're under. And they're submitted to. First Thessalonians says, First Thessalonians 5 says this, 16 through 18. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Very simple. Rejoice, pray, give thanks. This is key. You know, another way uh, someone shared with me before is that outlook determines outcome and attitude determines action. And so as we pray, as we give thanks, as we rejoice, it's going to change your heart, regardless of circumstance, to, um, and it'll change your actions too. Last verses, this is where we're finishing. <clears throat> Excuse me. Verse 21, For you have been called for this purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps. Listen closely. This is, this is a beautiful picture of the gospel. Verse 22, Who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. And while being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, Jesus uttered no threats, but he kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. And he himself bore our sins 
in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to, live to righteousness. For by his wounds you were healed. Verse 25, for you were continually straying like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and the guardian of your souls. You know, Jesus didn't just talk about submitting to authority. We saw in Philippians 2, but he demonstrated it. You know, for the Christian, this is our example. We sh- it shouldn't be weird to us that we're going to suffer, that we're going to go through difficulty. Our, Jesus did. He's who we're following. Um, we should be willing to lay down our lives and follow him. And maybe tonight, that's for you, that last verse. Maybe tonight you need to return to the good shepherd of your soul. You know, you need to return. The good shepherd is, is the one that protects, and, and he wants to, to work out uh, things in your life and perfect, per, protect and perfect. Uh, maybe that's you tonight. Maybe you've come to Christ, and you're just, you need to come back. You need to come back and, and get right and, and deal with those things in your life so you can live fully for him. And then the, the other person that may be listening tonight is someone that maybe this is all new. And you just saw that that is a clear picture of the gospel. Jesus came and lived a perfect life. He didn't deserve to die, but he chose to give his life for you and I. And it says, by his wounds, not ours, not what we did, not something that we conjured up, but by his wounds, the grace of the cross, by his wounds, we're healed. He gave his life so that we can be free from the penalty and power of sin. And all we have to do is just, by faith, believe in the Lord Jesus and receive him, uh, and ask for forgiveness of our sins, and by, by faith, through grace, you can be saved tonight. Let's pray. Just take wherever you're at. I just plead with you. I know there's a lot of distractions when you're at home. Where Just take a minute and just, just really ponder. Ponder your path. The Bible says to do that. Really consider where where are you at with the Lord tonight? Have you been, you know, walking with him for a while and doing well? Praise God, keep running. Keep pressing on. That's what uh, Peter kind of talks about through this letter. Keep, keep in the game. Or maybe you've been walking with the Lord and you're just kind of, you've gone astray. Maybe you've dealt with some uh, fleshly lusts or you've dealt with some some bad thinking or some some just harboring bitterness or uh, envy or strife towards someone. Um Man, get right. Lay that at the feet of Jesus. His grace is sufficient. Just come to him afresh and just repent and get back on your feet. And then again, that person, maybe you've heard the gospel for the first time or or maybe you've always, you know, heard it, but you never received it for yourself. Just, if that's you, do it tonight. Don't put it off. This this day and age, everything is so uh, crazy. You just don't know when your time is, and, and, you know, God's reaching out to you, I believe, right now. Just humble yourself and say, God, I need you. I confess that I'm a sinner, and I know that my sin separates me from you, but I also know that by the, because of Jesus' death on the cross, I can be forgiven. I can be set free from the penalty and power of sin. And I just receive that forgiveness. I receive the Son sacrifice and I just surrender my life to you will you come be Lord of my life I want to live for you all my days God I just I want to I want to submit to your authority 
Amen. And if that's you, man, I just encourage you, reach out to us. Um, You can email us. You can private message us. Um, We'd love to pray for you. We'd love to talk with you and get you a discipleship uh, group and get you a way to to just grow in your faith. And um, man, just want to ask you to jump over on Zoom. We're going to be discussing, uh, just going a little deeper, but uh, next week's going to be awesome. Also, um, we're going to be going into chapter three next week and the first seven verses is about marriage and just submitting to one another in those relationships. And, and yeah, you might be thinking, I'm not dating or I'm just so done with relationships or this or that. But man, the best time to learn is now before you're married. Um, I'm learning a ton right now with it too. And we have special guests coming, you know, coming next week. They'll be right here uh, and they're going to interact with us on Zoom afterwards too. And so it's going to be a great night to be um, just like learning about what God says about submitting to one another and and the confines of marriage. And so we're excited for next week. Be his hands and feet this week. Reach out to someone. Share the love of Jesus with someone. We'll be back next week at 8 o'clock.